0: It's the Basketball Hall of Fame's Legends Podcast. I'm Kyle Belanger. Joining me today is a legend of the game, as the title suggests. He is a t- 2013 Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame enshrinee, a man with 30 years in the NBA front office, 22 of them as deputy commissioner. He also served 10 years as president of the USA Basketball, and he, his name is synonymous with one of the great duos in NBA history. He is Russ Granick, Mr. Granick. Thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Oh, happy, happy to do it.
0: Now your, your tenure with the NBA uh, coincides with the incredible boom of basketball, of course, nineteen seventy six to two thousand six, both from a talent and a marketing standpoint. So, in, in your estimation, I'm curious, uh, was this the perfect time, the perfect storm for basketball, or in the front offices? Were you looking at a dearth of talent and finding out how to market it?
1: Well, I think uh, I I was fortunate to to be uh, in the NBA league office, um, particularly uh, starting in the mid-80s. It was kind of a struggle my first uh, seven, eight years there uh, for the league. Um, We we did have... uh, uh, a, a boost right when I joined the league in 1976, when the ABA, four remaining ABA teams came in, which included particularly Julius Irving, but also other great players like Moses Malone, George McGinnis, uh, and others. And uh, but but once uh, we hit the the early early to mid 80s with uh, Magic Johnson and Larry Bird, and and then of course Michael Jordan, um, we were we had a pretty good ride for a while.
0: It's incredible, too, because the marketing part of that, right, the ability to push those talents in front of people also included making sure that those faces were on television as much as possible. And, and your, your work was instrumental to making sure that the NBA wasn't just something that was shown on tape delay. Uh, it was something that was a part of the American culture experience. What were some of those early discussions like for you with television executives? How hard was it to sell this product?
1: Well, yeah, in, the, in the early days, in the late, uh, from the late '70s, early '80s, uh, you know, David Stern and I had a uh, had a, a difficult time uh, uh, keeping the networks interested, and, and uh, Larry O'Brien was the commissioner in, in, in that time, and I think he uh, he played a, a huge part as well then in, 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 in keeping us all, pretty much just keeping us alive on. On, on network television uh, the ratings weren't uh, very high and uh, there wasn't uh, there wasn't a lot of interest and uh, in, uh, among the, the networks but we were always able to, to stay on first on uh, on, on C- CBS for uh, for a while and uh, uh, but it was uh, it, it was a struggle and of course it, it was an infamous uh, series between uh, um, uh, the Sixers uh, and uh, the Lakers. I guess where where it was uh, uh, the uh, the games on the East Coast were all taped late and uh, you know and shown at eleven thirty at night uh, on the East Coast, and uh, that was that was a pretty difficult time for the league. But but eventually uh, uh, things uh, did get did get a lot better. We were helped a lot in that era by uh, a lot of by marketing partners or or. And and sneaker companies, particularly particularly Nike at the time, that uh, began to invest heavily in promoting our players. Even though they didn't uh, have any business dealings with the league as such, but they began uh, they they were really promoting the sport because it, uh, it helped their business, and and that helped us a lot at the time as well.
0: It's incredible to me because I think a major fraction of our listeners right now probably think we're talking Paleolithic era type stuff, and we're really just going back forty years. It's not that that just I think goes to show the incredible strides that this game has made, and part of that goes back to one of your other more lasting. Um, contributions, which was an international one in 1992, with the approval, selection, and and domination of the Team USA Dream Team in Barcelona. Um, It was the result of your lobbying of FIBA that that got that team there. So can you talk about that process and the incredible strides? Well,
1: I I want to differ with you on one point. We we never really lobbied FIBA for inclusion Uh in the Olympics. We began to work with FIBA in the mid-'80s to, to try and create uh, some international competitions on a smaller level, uh, uh, particularly the, the, what we called then the McDonald's Open. McDonald's was uh, kind enough to sponsor it for us. And um, uh, and we really stayed out of the, the fray of, about uh, uh, whether or not uh, NBA players would be eligible for the main competitions, particularly the Olympics. We, we just weren't certain, frankly, whether that was... Uh, whether that was a good thing or not, uh, and uh, and it really had little to do with with actually uh, with FIBA actually changing the rules. But once they did, uh, we got together with the USA basketball people. The, Dave Gavitt was the president then, and we um, and we made the decision that okay, uh, we really didn't think we could refuse to let the players play, and so we were going to uh, we were going to be in it, and once in it, we were going to. Create the greatest team we could, and I think that that really was a a watershed period for uh, for the league in, in terms of uh, the interest it created internationally, the uh, the business it created, and the attention it got, and and ultimately even uh, how many young European kids decided maybe they should play basketball instead of uh, soccer or whatever other sport that they they might have played. And, and it, and it resulted in, and, and continues to result in some great players in the NBA now.
0: Was that more? Was that one of the more fun uh, experiences? Because I mean, from the outside, uh, those of us watching here stateside in Barcelona from Barcelona and <laughs> and just the just the lead up, it seemed like once that team was put together and once Coach <laughs> Daly got the chemistry going from top to bottom, it seemed like it was so much fun for everyone involved. Does that rank as one of the more fun experiences you had in your tenure?
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, the uh, uh, the preparation and all uh, was not uh, was not so much fun because uh, we had we had a, a real difficult problem with with sponsors uh, as as sponsorship had become more prevalent in the NBA and more and more players had relationships with existing sponsors that sort of conflicted with. Uh, what what generally took place among Olympic athletes and the rules of the IOC and the USOC and and uh, a lot of people thought we were going to have problems convincing the players or the owners to to get involved. That was the easy part. The hard part was trying to get all, all the different uh, sponsors um, that that those entities had and our players had and our teams had and and get them all to <laughs> to sort of agree to work together for those uh, few weeks. Well, when the uh, when the Olympic team was put together on tour, and then ultimately uh, playing in in the Olympics, so uh, that that one that wasn't so much fun. But once you know, once everything once the competition started, which was in uh, at the tournament of the Americas in Portland, uh, it was a, a pretty uh, fantastic uh, experience with with the, with the players we had. Um, you know, they were a great team of, of pretty terrific people, and. Um, and the coaches, you know, we had uh, Lenny Wilkins, Mike Krzyzewski, and PJ Kalisimo's assistants, along with Chuck. Uh, it, was, uh, it was quite a group.
0: Speaking of quite a group, I, I teased in the open that that you are in fact part of one of the great one-two combos in, in NBA history. You think, of course, Jordan, Pippen, Stockton, Malone, Magic, worthy. Uh, sure. But there's also the the, the Granick Stern combination that that coincided with those, and we we teased a little bit about well, that think,
1: as well. I think you'd make it Stern Granick. I, <laughs> I have to say, but uh, uh, but but at least I, I appreciate the. Uh, <laughs>
0: inclusion <laughs> well <laughs> stern granick so I'll, I'll flip it stern granick can you talk about the relationship you and commissioner stern had the development and and and, and the, the nuances of that relationship that chemistry
1: well i just think uh you know we we uh we worked together well from <clears throat> from the beginning i uh, <clears throat> i actually was with a when i joined the league office and 76, I was a very young lawyer just uh, a couple of years out of law school. David was already a uh, partner at the Prostauer firm and had worked on the NBA for uh, about uh, 10 years or so at that point. And um, a couple of years later, he came uh, in-house, you know, really as a uh, a pretty uh, uh, obvious potential successor when when, uh, when O'Brien would decide to retire. And, uh, you know, he he was an incredible person to work for all those all those years, and uh, we I think we got to where we could, uh, as he liked to say, we could finish each other's sentences, and and you know uh, I think we we uh, we kind of approached issues uh, the same way, um, a little bit different personalities perhaps, but that uh, uh, that I think uh, uh, was was probably a good thing rather than not.
0: Finally, Russ, and thank you so much for your time this morning. Can you talk about what it's like, what it means to you to be working with the Hall of Fame at this stage in your life?
1: Well, uh, I mean I think uh, the Hall of Fame is something I got involved in um, I don't know uh, I guess that's thirty years or so ago when <clears throat> when Larry O'Brien retired as commissioner um, uh, with his uh, storied career in politics and then as a, and then in the n b a and and a resident uh, you know he grew up in springfield um he was a sort of natural choice for them to come to to asked to be uh head of the uh uh of the, of the board of trustees and he he asked me to to join him on the board at that time uh, so, so just to be sure he he'd uh, always have somebody from the league office that uh, uh the nba that was going to support the organization <laughs> and i uh you know, I've been on the board for all those years, serving a couple of terms as, uh, as chairman, and I, you know, I think it's been a, a very uh, valuable experience. I think the, the institution is, does a great job in uh, preserving and promoting the game, and uh, it's evolved a lot uh, over the years, and uh, I think you know, it, will, it will continue to, uh, uh, to be a good thing for the sport.
0: 30 years in the NBA front office, 22 as deputy commissioner, and a 2013 Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame enshrinee. Russ Granick. thank you so much for your time this morning.
1: Well, it's great talking to you.